FM is an award-winning community radio station coming to you 24-7 from the heart of San Francisco. I love BFF.FM because of what it represents, you know, a uniting of the local music community. The diversity of shows is way more fun than any kind of commercial radio you might find. Become a monthly donor and you'll be connected to a cool community of music lovers helping us build strong community radio for San Francisco. Our besties. I get to go to these cool bestie bashes and I get to have a sweet members only pin and I get to feel like I'm contributing to the community. Join us at bff.fm slash donate. BFF.fm streaming with my bestie.
satin black hips swing figuring to me as me with me you could be the further damn fun dream you could be the further damn fun dream you could be Of the 
bravado boys that I used to know I wish I could bring back the bravado boy that I used to be A further than funk dream you could be Further than Bong Dream Are you gonna be? The further
Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're listening to uh, a special edition today of Radical Astral Advice Hour. I'm yes. Beatrix Gravesgard. Uh, sitting in as guest co-host today is none other than Lily Sloan, who you may remember <laughs> on the show last week to promote her appearance on the show And today. all the other times that I've just been <laughs> here and you guys are like, yeah, come, in. come on in. Yeah, no, we like to keep this creative marriage spicy you know? yeah yeah it's true yeah, yeah. I've, I'm really honored to have been invited into your creative threesomes yeah uh, I'm I'm the I'm the unicorn in your creative threesome scenario oh I guess a unicorn though specifically when it's a hetero couple finding a woman to join what um this isn't to get weird because I realize the question I'm about oh, to ask are, is gonna already, make this conversation weird uh, if you were going to be an animal, what animal would you be? Oh, okay. We're not talking about threesomes no. anymore. Okay. But I didn't want you to think that I was like talking about like weird furry <laughs> animal threesomes. Or right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so unrelated. Um, if I were to be an, if I was an animal, what would I be? God, I don't know. I guess, you know what? Right now I'm feeling like some kind of like burrowing animal, mm, like an okay. animal that's like carving out intricate tunnels and, and caves and underneath the ground maybe you would be have you this made me cry it's probably gonna make you cry have you heard about the wombats in australia and they have these underground tunnels and during all the fires they like they're like notoriously very protective of their tunnels and they opened up the tunnels and they're like all the other animals get in here What? we're here to save you it's like a fucking real life disney movie oh my god yeah everybody the, wom- the, wombats, the wombats can the wombats can take refugees but fucking trump can't yeah i really wow. hope this turns into somebody needs to turn this into a movie stat that's so fascinating because yeah. that's really it points to something possible in nature which is that animals are not just like biologically driven to you know survive and protect themselves unless i mean maybe on some level there's some awareness awareness seems like a weird word but awareness that like they need other creatures oh yeah there's plenty of evidence that i mean you'll if you look at like dolphins and whales Mm -hmm. dolphins will have rescued humans from sharks right 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 um whales whales uh, are like somebody i was telling somebody recently whenever i like I get what I call like a cry behind the eyes, you know, yeah. where you're like, oh, I need to cry. Like I need to have an orgasm or something. Yep, yep. Um, and but like you can't cry. I'll watch whale rescue videos. Oh. And one of my favorites, it's like um, in some part of Mexico and these like four people are in this tiny little boat and this whale swims up next to him and it's caught in like reams and reams of fishing net. Mm. And all they had in this boat was a little tiny dagger and they and the whale came right up like yo humans you 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 did this or one of you you know some other yeah, human did this yeah. like please help me because it was going to drown it was a giant humpback whale and they these people took this little tiny dagger and spent i think 3 hours patiently cutting all of the <laughs> and the whale knew what it was doing and it would yeah. like turn over so it could like you know and it, oh. it, they were like if this thing fl- like slapped its tail it would have like capsized our little boat and then when they finally get all the fishing net off, it like swims off and then it comes back and puts on this crazy water show for them where it's like leaping out of the water. Anyways, Whoa. I saw, but the we- clearly the whale was like, thank you. Wow. Like, you know, fuck you, but also thank you. <laughs> Anyways. It's like you, you fucked up, but then yeah. you did the right thing. 
And I appreciate yeah. that. No, no yeah. hard feelings now. I got really carried away with that. Wow. Um, yeah. Anyways, this is all to say uh, our resident wolf is uh, right. What's your animal? I think I, I think maybe a bear. Mm. Yeah. I like mm. to hibernate. Mm-hmm. I'm lazy. Mm. I like to eat a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think a bear. Like kind of boring. Like bears are a little bit boring. You're not boring, <laughs> but I get the sentiment. Yeah. Um, anyways, our resident she wolf is still off uh, with her intergalactic wolf pack, I believe, somewhere in Japan at the moment. Oh. Very jealous. Can't yeah. wait to hear. She's with traveling with her dolphin, uh, <laughs> Warlock Vic. Uh, anyway, so the premise of today's show, uh, you are the former host of BFF's uh, Radical Advice. Yep. Uh, which just went off air last December. And, mm-hmm. you know, the people are clamoring. We're like, they're like, how am I going to get my advice? <laughs> because I'm the I'm the only person with sound life advice. We're I all, mean, you you kind of are. I got to say, I've been, I think I mentioned <laughs> this last week. Uh, I've been listening to Dr. Laura. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Who, man, just makes my blood boil. <laughs> that woman is worth like $50 million. She mm. gives very like like she, I didn't learn this until recently. She wrote a book called "In Praise of the Stay at Home Mom." Mm, uh, she's very. She definitely has like a gun wall. I think you put. She's very. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She like cuts people off. Oh, and her like she's this little like tagline at the end of every. She's like old school radio, and so yeah. like people will be like in the middle of their uh, question, and she'll be like, "All right, do the right thing. Next caller." <laughs> That's your fucking advice. Do the right thing. That's amazing. Uh, uh, if it was that easy, Dr. Laura, we would all be doing mm-hmm, the right thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say if people want more advice, obviously there's the archives yeah. of radical advice, but I was really influenced before I started that show by Dear Prudence, which Love Dear Prudence. so good. That's yeah. Daniel Ortberg. Um, I actually haven't listened in a while, and I, I feel like yeah. now that I'm not making an advice show, maybe I'm more emotional space to go listen to one uh ask polly and the cut is another favorite of mine um dear sugar cheryl Mm -hmm. strayed Mm -hmm. um also good but yeah so we are um you know we're taking a stab today we're gonna be downloading some astral advice Mm -hmm. from other realms and dimensions we'll see what we can channel just call us at 1-900 astral advice most of mine comes from the underworld yeah Mm -hmm. uh special rates apply Uh, but we did um man i put out a call for advice questions and people really showed up people want the advice but first i'm gonna say what we just heard um we heard the pop group with she is beyond good and evil before that was medium medium further than funk dream and we started off with the waitresses thinking about sex again Mm, always and then we're gonna have some really great picks musical picks from you as well and i'm gonna i might i might keep it spicy and like pick songs that go with the questions Ooh, as we answer them if I any like line like up that. but so i'm gonna give you let's let's de- let's dive right in okay um i'm gonna give you some categories um of questions that have come in i'm noticing some themes so we've got questions about love and dating and being alone We've got questions about friend rejection, Mm. um, existential hopelessness, Mm -hmm. grief, um, and oh, like work, Mm. like specifically colleague questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any of those sound like? I mean, all of them are 
relatable categories. We'll see how many we'll get to, but maybe let's go with um being alone for five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um let's see. Do 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 oh I think Okay, we got we've got two, but we'll see we'll get to one and we'll see how the other we have time mm-hmm. for the other one. Okay. Dear astral advice, I'm beginning to worry I'm too weird to find love. Mm. It's like there's something missing in me, a frayed wire that went wrong somewhere along the way that makes it impossible for me to truly connect with someone. I've mm. had a lot of short-lived relationships that begin in a promising way but end up with the other person growing ambivalent towards me. I should clarify, I'm not weird in a sexual or social taboo way. More that I just feel like there's something inherently wrong with me. Should I just settle for being with someone who makes me feel lonely? Mm. Mm. Oh, boy. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Because it sounds like this person has, and and I, I understand the experience in, in the more general sense of things aren't working out. I'm not finding that partner. What's wrong with me? Like that's sort of a, a default place that some of us go in our brains. Like we might go to what's wrong with everyone else <laughs> or what's wrong with me. Yeah. Um, and it's really painful to be in that space, to feel like I'm in pain and I'm alone. And it's because there's something wrong with me. Not only is there something wrong with me, but I don't even know what it is. Oh, so, yeah. like, I can't even fix it. Um, I know when I'm in that space, I end up making up problems or, like, focusing. I mean, everyone's got flaws. So I'll focus on my flaws uh, in such a way as if those are the reason that I'm mm, alone. Yeah. And then, and then it, like, eventually I get to a space where I'm like, wait, everyone I know who's in relationships is flawed, too. Yes. Maybe in some of the same ways that I'm beating mm-hmm. myself up. Maybe not. But, like... Everyone who's in relationships is a weirdo. Yeah. That's that's basically what I want to say today is people in relationships are fucking weird. Yeah. And maybe they don't deserve to be. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're that's we're, my that's my bitterness speaking. Um yeah, we're all we're all weird in our own little ways. Yep. Um yeah. There's a really beautiful, I think it's like a Shell Silverstein story or illustration of the two people wearing masks mm. um, and they're and or it's like this one person, they're wearing a mask and they're like, I keep walking around being like, why doesn't anybody love me or why can't I find like my people or my person? And then yeah. there's this sort of realization that like, but everybody else is wearing masks too. Right, right. And it's like, I think so much of love and finding love is like actually... Um, taking the risk of like taking off your mask yeah. and like because it invites rejection exactly and maybe this person may, may, maybe it's possible they just haven't found somebody who connects with their authenticity yeah you know once you get to a certain place in dating somebody you know and it depends on the people how long that takes but there's there are these points where you start moving like removing the mask more and more and yeah and we find out then if if you know we can hang with each other at that point and it's super vulnerable and super scary and you know why the people that you've been seeing end up becoming ambivalent about you if that's true or if that's maybe maybe that's your perception but maybe they've said that I don't know I've had 
plenty of people become ambivalent about me. Um, it may have to do with it being a bad fit. <laughs> you yeah. know, it may have to do with something that like you could learn more about about yourself in therapy, maybe having to do with the types of people you tend to be attracted to or um, something that starts happening for you once you start getting anxious in a relationship or, you know, who knows. But it, it may just have nothing to do with you and everything to do with the combination of these two people or them. Right. There's so many. I mean, I'm the older I get, too, I really believe, like, timing is a huge factor. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, you're not on the same timeline. And I think we're also kind of sold these weird stories where, like, when you meet someone, you just know, right? you know, Which, right away and like we right off into the sunset. And yeah. I, I, I used to have a real big fear and problem with ambivalence. Mm-hmm. And but as like a weird consequence of that, I would find myself in these relationships with people who were these like instant tidal waves because it, mm-hmm. it made my it sort of assuaged my fear of ambivalence. Right, right. So it was people that were they like... They were all in. That were like, I love you on day one or mm-hmm, run away. Mm-hmm. And, but like, I can tell you that was not... <laughs> well, and that's actually not uncommon for somebody who's avoidantly attached to, yeah. to, to come on really strong. <gasps> yeah. And then suddenly... And not every time, but but that's not an uncommon thing is to come on strong yeah. and then get scared and become ambivalent and back away. Yeah. And, and what I... Yeah. yeah. And so what I've learned is like, everybody's kind of on their best behavior in the first couple of mm-hmm. months. And then it's like, yeah, the you start to like take off some of the mask and you're like, do you still like me when I'm like weird and wobbly and vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also mm-hmm. would want to say like, I, it also sounds like this is a real story this person tells themselves about yeah. themselves. Yeah. And those, I don't want to say they become like self-fulfilling prophecies, but I feel like we that our our brains are really good cherry pickers for evidence that oh, line yeah. up with this story. And mm-hmm. I used to drive me crazy when I was in therapy where I'd be like, <laughs> I'm just so unlovable and mm-hmm. nobody loves me and mm-hmm. I'm doomed and I'm damaged. And and my therapist would like be like devil's advocate. She's like, well, what about person X? And I'm like, oh, that doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, because I was so attached to these stories and I'm sure I know I had probably a very similar story to this where I was like I'm just a fundamentally lonely person and I always will be um you know and so I I guess my advice for this um would be no you don't need to settle for being with someone who makes you feel lonely but I also would invite this person not when you find yourself starting to think in these really black and white terms, right, right, um, either like I'm weird or I'll never find the person mm-hmm, who accepts mm-hmm. my weirdness and to like, even though I might feel really uncomfortable and itchy to be like, what if I just sat with like, I like this person and it's new and I don't know if they get me yet, but I'm just yeah. going to keep walking down this path and seeing where it goes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Well, and and a couple of things I I notice for myself when someone else is ambivalent, I don't end up having any space for my own ambivalence. I end up focusing so much on the rejection that when I'm feeling more secure, I'm able to be in a a somewhat ambivalent state, too. And I think 
there's a certain amount of healthy ambivalence in any relationship. Yeah. Like we can't expect everyone. And I struggle with this. Like yep. re- I really struggle with this. Um, like thinking that success in finding a partner or finding love, it means that I will never feel lonely again. Oh. <laughs> that I will <laughs> that I will never feel their someone's ambivalence yeah. about me. Yeah. That I will never be ambivalent about them. That it, that there'll be some sort of solid state of togetherness and intimacy and and it's just it's just not true. No. It's just not true. Now what amount of that is ta- you know there's just no rule for how much compromise yeah. or how much loneliness or how much anything but I I know myself well enough to know that even in a good partnership and even in a good enough partnership meaning most things are pretty solid and there's going to be stuff that's hard sometimes. Yeah. I will still experience alienation and loneliness because that is like what I go through socially all the totally. time. Totally. Yeah. And I have I have lots of friends, but I yeah. go through moments of thinking everybody hates me, you know, like yep. it's yeah. so it's just that's my like cross to bear yeah. or whatever. It's really universal. And I would say to this uh, question asker too, like take solace in, or, or notice that like there are two people in this room right now who are like, <laughs> yep, yep. I feel, you know, like, so this is, yeah. seems like a bit of a universal feeling. I, I don't, I, I would, I might not say it's universal, but it's I would common. say it's extremely common yeah. and it's, and it's, and it's particularly, I think, I mean, men and men and women and people of all genders struggle with ingrained ideas about what love yeah. is supposed to mean. But I think that as a woman, um, I have experienced since I was very young, certain ideas like you were talking about when you know, you know, and things like that, that were, were really ingrained in in me around the around romance and love that are really hard to shake like expectations that are probably (laughs) just like insanely unrealistic but it doesn't but I think it gets really confusing then if you start challenging that because then we also then compromise on things that end up not being compromises that we do feel are worth it and so sometimes that means we experiment and we don't get the outcome we want but Mm -hmm. it's like hey you tried like yeah I've tried dating people who I might not have been super passionate about and didn't have a lot in common with around certain categories that I thought oh maybe I just need to let that go and then I found out through doing that that no 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 those categories are very important to me totally yeah you know it's interesting because it's like I'm I feel like the older I get the more sort of like radically accepting I get of like not being attached to the outcomes of things Mm -hmm. I was I think I was a much more anxious person about this kind of stuff in my 20s and early 30s and I'm trying to just be really curious now Mm -hmm. where I like I'm I'm less sort of like where is this going what does it mean what's happening Mm -hmm. um and more just like all right like you know, I would say that's interesting because I, I, a part of me is sitting here being like, oh, God, no, I'm still 100 <laughs> percent like really freaked out and attached to outcomes. But I think I think it's actually it's still there, but I think it has it has 
gotten easier with yeah. time and experience. It's just hard because we adapt to whatever level of it's competence true. we have. And, yeah. and so it's like. Is, no, and I, I don't mm-hmm. want to pretend. I'm not like some Zen person ever being like, whatever happened. And it's not that. Like I have a, yeah. I still have a deep. It's it's my natural brain path, yeah, yeah. but I am. But you're more, you're I'm, a little more flexible. I'm becoming more flexible and I'm, ex- I'm experimenting with like, well, what is it like to just be curious right now? And I, and I know I'm really clear, I think at this point on like foundationally what it is I want in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, but I, and I, but I think I will say, I think I spent. <laughs> a large chunk of my 20s and 30s getting really distracted by more like what do we have in common mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what's the chemistry like uh you know do we like the same stuff do we like doing the same stuff and i'm mm-hmm. starting to realize like that's actually way less and maybe everybody else knew, knew this but, yeah, that, but that's um, but that's the stuff i realized was important to me yeah i mean not all of it yeah and, it, and it, it's but but then again it's hard to say exactly it, like a combination of factors like are there in whoever we end up falling yeah. in love with. And it's it's hard to say, like if I were just to, to have not met somebody and look on paper, I would probably find a million things that I don't jive with and, and, yeah. and things that I do. And so it would be really hard to tell what are the what combination of factors make this person essentially like a person for me to fall in love with and feel attached mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And you know, I could say like, well, it seems like this creative stuff and like sharing around those things is really important and maybe having some overlapping tastes in those areas is really important. I say that based on experiences I've had, but I don't know exactly what form that would take. Yeah. It may look a little different than what I'm thinking. I just know that there's something to it. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave us with this bit of advice that uh, next week's guest, Jessica Lignato, famed astrologer, medium, excellent advice giver, once said, uh, it's called, you don't know a bitch. And she (laughs) says, you don't know a bitch until, meaning like in a couple, when you're dating somebody, you've been in a fight and you've been wrong. You've Mm. been in a fight and they've been wrong. Uh, You've been, you've gotten sick. They've gotten sick. Yeah. And you've spent the holidays together, regardless of whether or not you celebrate the holidays. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So sort of like, ooh, that's, that's just speaking of like the mask dropping. Those yeah, are yeah. moments where like the masks really drop, mm-hmm, where you right. you got to admit you're wrong. They got to admit they're wrong. Yeah. People are totally at their most vulnerable, grossest yes. when they're sick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and holidays are just fucking stressful. Yeah. And being around people when like, when things are really stressful, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. also like going home with somebody for the holidays oh, and seeing yeah. them revert to like 15, you yep, know, and you're like, yep. oh, God. Yeah. You're kind of terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to play a Lily music set and then we will answer some more of your advice questions. Do we want to just do it in the order I gave or do we want to do I should I skip to something that I think might pair with that? Uh, Do you either or? Um, Well, I'm wondering if we should do the set starting with FKA Twigs. Sure. Because that song is so emotional oh my god but it's also yeah. about it's about like loneliness yeah and alienation and wanting yeah anyway it's just really beautiful and i've been working i've been really deep in working on this talk i'm giving about home and an, a feeling of at homeness and so yeah. the music is kind of a combo of songs about that and also music okay. that i've been working to 
I love that. Yeah. So, and le- and yeah, let's plug your event on Thursday here yeah. in San Francisco. Come to Playstocks at the, it's Prelinger, right? Or is it Prelinger? I say Prelinger. I think Prel- it's Prelinger. Prelinger Archives. What is it on 9th Street? It's on 8th. Um, I think it's 301 8th Street. Um, it's at 7, though they open up the archives at 5. Highly recommend showing up early. Um, and you can learn more at placetalks.online. Yes. Um, the other talk that night looks really great as I well. I know. I'll read the like yeah. blurbs from them okay. when we come back. Okay. So we are going to listen to FK Twigs with Home With You. This is a Lily Sloan pick. You're listening to Radical Astral Advice Hour here mm-hmm. on BFF. I'm so wired for it, seen it, tried it, I die for you On the terms when I get my lessons Learned apples, cherries, pain Breathe in, breathe out, pain No, 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 the king Still mean to my grace How come the more you have more that people want from you More you burn away The more that people earn from you More you pull away The more that they depend on you I've never seen a hero like me In a sci-fi So I wonder if you need to re-remember me I wonder if you think That I can ever raise you up I wonder if you think That I can ever help you fly I've never seen a hero like me In a sci-fi But I see the love if I thought it
of Radical Astral Advice Hour. I'm Beatrix Gravesgard. I am joined by Lily Sloan today, former host of Radical Advice, mm-hmm. licensed therapist, uh, just all around great advice giver. I usually come to you for a lot of advice. <laughs> probably taking advantage of your of your knowledge. Oh no, I'm just I just I just use those opportunities to ruin people's lives by, by giving them bad <laughs> advice. So we should totally do a show just called Bad, bad advice. advice. Yeah, I thought about like when I was doing Radical Advice, doing a one-off episode that was like the um, alternate universe, like we're we all have goatees version of the show. Yeah, um, but never never got to it. I love giving advice. In fact, I'm really gonna miss. Um, uh, I'm gonna be gone out of San Francisco for at least a couple months. Possibly forever, TBD. Yeah. But uh, my um, my house is famous for this couch um, in my living room that friends have dubbed over the years Heartbreak Hotel. Oh. Because this couch is where everybody ends up when they are going through a heartbreak. And they know they can come mm. over to my house at any time of day or night. And they can stay as many days as they want at the Heartbreak mm. Hotel. And there are soft blankets and snacks. They're really soft blankets. And a DVR yeah. full of like trashy reality TV shows to take your mind off things. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it, that couch has soaked up a lot of tears. <laughs> and even my my roommate went through a really bad breakup. She lives in my attic. Uh, and she <laughs> one day she just showed up at my door. She's like, can I just stay in your couch for a couple of days? Oh. Um, yeah, so she just she, needed to be a she little. She just relocated within the same yeah, house too. Yeah, uh, totally. Well, I, I think uh, Heartbreak Hotel has magic powers. Yeah, um, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, but I uh, maybe I'll need it soon. Yeah, but people will tell me they're like, "You give good advice uh, on matters of the heart." Mm. You know, which is ironic because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not very good at it myself. But that's why. I mean, that's I think that's why. why we have a lot of empathy and and can can speak more to the experience of being there rather than coming from a place of, well, 
I speak as someone who, you know, married the first person that I met and we've been together for 30 years and it's great. Yeah. It's like, well, then you don't really have much to tell me. Like, that's not, that's, that's just cool. Um, (laughs) I've got 20 years of heartbreak experience right here for you. Yeah. Same. It's, it's solid. It's, it's (laughs) probably more than 20. Seasoned veteran. Yeah. It's a lot. It might be 30 because I've been, I've been a romantic. I've been well, not. <laughs> I've been a romantic for for a long. So maybe like twenty five. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I started. I started dating when I was ten. Wow. <laughs> well, just like I was going out with okay. a boy, you know, and yeah. there was a lot of heartbreak, like and trauma, like a lot sure. of trauma that came from that because of how much of a romantic I was and how um, awful preteens are they're really awful really yeah. fucking awful ruined my life i'm yeah. still living with the consequences that sounds yeah. weird to say but it's true yeah my first boyfriend didn't ruin my life in middle school uh gave me a real complex because he told everyone that he broke up with me because my nose looked like a suicide ski slope what the fuck? which then for years made me want a nose job now, what, I, now I love my nose what but. is his name i want to go <laughs> Hunt him down. He was just a little seventh and give grade, him a nose job. Seventh grade twerk. No, I know. Um, I know. He was very scrawny and yeah, he was a bad kisser. So whatever. <laughs> also, probably normal at that age. It's true. But, yeah, I think we yeah. both had braces, which is like, oh, wow. How did our faces not get like locked together? Yeah. Anyways, I don't yeah. Think I ever kissed anyone with braces? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, mom and dad. I never wore my retainers, and then my teeth just went back to normal. No. Just total waste of money. And I and it's like one of my deeper regrets in life because I'm like now I like I'm like oh man I should really fix like I have crooked teeth and I was like I wish I had straight teeth again but mm. like do I really want to pay thousands of dollars? Just depends on you know Not like really. minor crooked but it's just cosmetic and like yeah I just hmm. you know so there was never an ins- a reason insurance would cover it yeah and I I and I appreciate other people being in the club with me so. oh yeah. Apparently, it's a real, like, uh, fetish in Japan. Oh. Like, people will, like, intentionally make their teeth crooked. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so. let's talk about what we just played. That was your set. Oh, yeah. That paired with our last advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you We heard Sunlux with Rebuild. Mm-hmm. That was Ben Lucas Boyson with Golden Times One. Mm-hmm. We started off that set with FKO Twigs, Home With You. Is that song about Robert Pattinson? Oh, I don't know. Did they date? Yeah. It was, like, a big... Anyway, I, well, the thing is, is, is as a songwriter, I can say that um, every song I write is kind of about every every person mm. who ever, you know, yeah, who, like it's like it's like themes. Well, like there's songs that I wrote years ago that I'm like, oh, God, this totally applies to my situation now mm. because these themes just keep showing up in our lives. So maybe it's about Robert Pattinson. Maybe it's not. Maybe it isn't. It isn't. Right. Yeah, I say that. Mm hmm. Okay, let's dive in. Okay. To another question. Do you want to pick the next category? Um, let's see. I'm going to, okay, so we got friend rejection, existential hopelessness, grief. Um, we did a little bit of love. Maybe we'll come back to love later. Um, let's do um, friend rejection. Okay. How do you get over friend rejection? I feel like I make a lot of efforts to invest in new friendships, 
um, be the one to make plans and check in. But so often I feel like my efforts aren't returned or Mm -hmm. even downright ghosted. This person is definitely an Enneagram too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I do the same thing and I'm a four. Uh, So, (laughs) uh, well, there's like a, it's a two. There's like a little bit of a transactional quality in here that I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I give so much mm-hmm. and I get nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I which I really, I, I get. And I, this person doesn't say how old they are. And I will say that like, I find making friends at different ages to be a different mm-hmm. like kettle. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that um, I, because I, I struggle with this a lot socially, just with like, do people like me? Mm. How like do I do I want to put this effort in? You know, and I think that um, or maybe yeah, I put a lot of effort in, and then oh shit, that person wasn't actually like on the same page as me about like our friend crush or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, one of the things that comes up for me around that is just that like. I've been really working on and it's it's really hard and it doesn't it it doesn't change like I talk I, I mentioned the like stuff that happened in elementary school um was more than just the boy it like turned into like l- literally almost all the kids didn't like me oh, like yeah. they were all turned <clears throat> against me and and that comes up again and again as an adult when I'm worried when I'm trying to exist within a social group mm-hmm. and wanting to be accepted and wanting to know that I'm secure here and I th- I think it something I've been trying to remember in those moments is that I also I I sometimes reject people too. And like it sucks to be rejected, but it not everyone is going to be on the same page or drive drive with me or like feel available for the kind of friendship that I want with them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And that doesn't and and it's hard to like kind of accept that while you know instead of being like no it's okay i'm sure they like you they're just you know busy or just different it's like that may be true but it also may be that they're just not available or interested in the same level of friendship that you are and and as you've probably felt towards people who are pursuing you totally and like i would remind this uh question asker too that like People are really, people aren't static, you know? It's like we're all constantly changing. Our mm-hmm. lives are changing. Um, the things we, the things and people we want around us and or have the bandwidth for yeah. constantly change. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it can be less about like, why doesn't this person like me? And more like, well, what happens when I'm just my authentic self? Like who who are they? like? Because I would guarantee you there are probably people in this person's life that like do show up, yeah. and are really interested. And sometimes those are the people we kind of like overlook or we take for granted, yeah, yeah, because we want someone else's attention. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I'm also a big fan, especially as people. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I feel like up until about. 30, maybe early 30s. Maybe this is living in the city. I don't know where this person lives. But it was like, everyone was like very available all the time. You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. people were more available. Yeah, yeah. Like to go out, to do mm-hmm. stuff. Um, And I feel like as people get older and like have kids or get married or, or like have a partner, things really shift. Yeah. And people's priorities shift. And oftentimes like 
those priorities don't have a lot to do with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so one of my tactics as somebody who's not married, doesn't have kids, lives in a city, people are constantly moving away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I just I plant a lot of seeds and like I will attempt to water those seeds and then I'll kind of like step back. Mm-hmm. And like I think that's a big thing I've learned too is like give friendships oxygen Mm. you know Mm. um like some people i meet and i'm like and we're best friends from minute one and some people i meet and i'm like "Mm." yeah i'm ambivalent i'm like i'm kind of ambivalent about you or maybe Mm. they're ambivalent about me or we don't really gel and then maybe like we hang out a year later and i'm like oh i'm ready for you now sometimes we're just not ready for certain and there's people people who i like because I definitely can become instant friends with people pretty easily. And there's people who I've become instant friends with who within a few months, yeah. it kind of blew up, you know, yeah. either it blew up or it sizzled out, you yeah. know, but yeah, fr- friendships yeah. are relationships. They you are. Know? We don't like give them as much credit mm-hmm. for the nuances they have as we do like romantic relationships. Yeah, they can bring up our attachment styles oh, yeah. and like, and, and I find that different stuff comes up for me in friendships but still in the same realm of looking at attachment and expectations and and compatibility and all of that but i would also say um it's not so much about getting over friend rejection i don't think it's about getting over anything ever any kind of rejection to me it's about can you can you allow yourself to feel disappointed and yeah. and grieve like you know what you hoped for that that isn't and also at the same time kind of work on observing and and kind of just noticing what kinds of stories you are creating because yeah. rejection like we talked about before with romantic kind of rejection feelings like it brings up that tendency in us to tell stories and yes. they are sometimes useful and a lot of the time they're really not useful they're not true they can kind of reinforce ideas we have about ourselves that can just be really really painful and limiting maybe it triggers an old story about you know think you know as a child thinking like you know i'm not smart enough or you know or not yeah. cool enough or oh whatever it is but those I'm stories are just like yeah. Those stories are so relentless and they get in the way of being able to grieve too. It's true. I be like, wow, this is disappointing. I liked that person. Yeah. I had an experience a couple of years ago where somebody who I was pretty close with her and her boyfriend um, and she's straight up like uh, sort of like middle school cafeteria style. Just one day like unfriended me on all social media. And can I just say Whoa. Social media, man. I'm like, this is just another medium for rejection. Oh, yeah. Constant. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're a sensitive person, yeah. oh, oh, my yeah. God. If, I was like, if, wait. I was like, if this had existed when I was in middle school, it would have destroyed me. Same. Because she, like, unfriended me and all this stuff. For, I've, we had never been in a fight in our lives um, or since we knew each other. We spent a lot of time together. Wow. And I messaged her, and I was like, did I? And I was, like, racking my brain. I was like, what can I have done? And I was like, well, I was really stoned at her house one night and I ate ice cream in her freezer without asking like, is that it? You're canceled. Um, <laughs> and I messaged her and I was like hey did I do something to like offend you? And she was like um, I just decided I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't really Whoa. know why. And I and oh 
it was like I got dumped by a man I was in love with. I was yeah. just yeah beside myself, well, and I couldn't so let it go. Like, for it. Well, shocking. But the thing I realized is like I'm like oh that pressed on a really old bruise in me of being like a kid where I remember like oh my god, it's one of my worst memories of my life. I had two best friends in fourth grade, Kristen and Jennifer, and I introduced mm-hmm. them. And I remember we had to go on a field trip. And they decided to be buddies and they were like, well, we want to be best friends now and we don't want yeah. you to be our friend. And I went in the bathroom mm-hmm. and threw up and hid and wouldn't go on the field trip. Yeah. Like I was so yeah. gutted by this like rejection, you know, and, so so, and, I, and I was like, yeah. but I was like, I could like trace the thread from like this like rejection at 32 to this rejection yeah. at like age nine. Well, so, and, and whether the person is blunt or just kind of ghosts, either yeah. either way, if they're not if it's kind of a shock like that or they don't say why, like not knowing why we're being rejected <laughs> is right. gives us so much more fuel like, for the storytelling. Like existential mad libs. So oh like, let me God. fill on the blanks with the worst case scenario. Totally. Like, yeah. oh, it must be this. Yeah. It's so it's yeah. so hard to not know. And that's another thing. Like sometimes we just don't get to know. We don't get that closure and we just have to kind of work with it. Well, and what's interesting is I learned later that this person had actually done this to a lot of people. Oh, wow. So I was not, it wasn't like a one-off. And I, and that's that, probably helpful. <laughs> that made me get a little more clarity where I was like, oh, okay, this is maybe about me, but also, and it's fine if it is, but I was like, but also maybe there's like a pattern here. So, yeah. you know, I would say, you know, for getting over friend rejection, like, yeah, you said, like, let yourself feel the grief of mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah. like, I would say for me, too, um, as somebody who is a little bit of like a like I could walk into a room full of people where I know there's like 20 people and I know 19 of them love me and would do anything for me. And I will fixate on the one person yep. who is like ambivalent about me. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. Same. You know, and, and yeah. I it took me a really long time to notice that. Yeah. And so I really I try as things shift, as I get older and people's lives shift, I try to put energy into the friendships that I feel good around to this person. Mm-hmm. I feel supported. I feel like I support them. We're in, we're interested in each other's lives, but we also give each other the space to like have lives and mm-hmm. change and grow and evolve. And I think all friendships have seasons, Yep, you know, yeah, and I've yeah. had like seasons with best friends where we're like kind of not on the same page or we're not into the same stuff. And I just, I used to get really clingy in those times and now I just kind of like let it go. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I trust that like if we have a fundamental connection, like we'll find our way back to each other, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and so, and like I said earlier, it's like sometimes, sometimes it's me feeling rejected and like feeling like, oh, I still need this person. And they've, they've drifted away from me but sometimes I'm the one who's drifting away because I'm just not yeah. I'm not you know my energy just isn't going towards the same things and I'm not getting the same like emotional needs met in that friendship yeah and, and so it's and it's hard and like sometimes you talk about it or sometimes you just kind of drift apart and you don't and you drift back together and I don't know it's, which is interesting to me because and they're like a really I mean unless you're like online dating and you're gonna just ghost somebody like mm-hmm. in most relationships we have like we have a conversation about like there's an official breakup yeah, yeah. or like or like an i need space conversation totally. um totally. And, like in friendships we don't like do that as much yeah. um i will recommend there's a really one of my favorite movies about i'm really obsessed with 
movies about female friendships. Mm. Um, and one is uh, Nicole Hall of Senior, Walking and Talking. Oh. It stars Catherine Keener and Anne Hesh. Um, they've been lifelong best friends. They share a cat. And Anne Hesh's character is getting married. Mm. And Catherine Keener's is sort of like chronically single and picking avoidant people. Mm-hmm. Guess who I identify with? <laughs> um, but it's it's sort of like about the grief of feeling rejected in a friendship. Yeah. Even if that rejection is just somebody to like being like, well, I'm I'm in a I have a partner now and that person is a priority. Right. And we don't ever really have those conversations about like, well, but I used to be a priority. Right. You know, and yeah. like I'm not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of like I think hurt feelings come up in that that don't get discussed, but maybe come out in like more insidious ways. Anyways, totally highly recommend yeah. walking and talking. Do you mm-hmm. if you know any more Movies about friendships. Well, I highly recommend for female friendship um, the Netflix series that got fucking canceled, even though it was amazing, called Tuca and Birdie. Oh, and that's that's an animated series, kind of similar style as BoJack Horseman, but it's um, written by Ali Wong. It's starring Ali Wong and I have heard of this. uh, Oh, what's her name? Um, mm, Hmm. and another woman. Um, but they're, yeah, they're a toucan and like some Tweety Bird type bird. And um, they're, it's funny, but it's also just really poignant. And it's a really, it's it's really good modeling of female friendship. And a lot of those issues that we're talking about come up. Yeah. All right. Check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and tweet at us at Witch Radio. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. You can slide into the DMs if you have a question you would like some advice on, um, let me see. What am I going to play us in this next set? I think I'm going to play, I think I'm going to start us off with uh, a song called Little Sister by Sada Bonaire, and we will answer some more questions for you when we come back. Uh, you're listening to a special edition of Radical Astral Advice Hour on BFF.fm.
Do not imitate me No, 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 no more
you are listening to a very special edition of Radical Astral Advice Hour here on BFF.fm with me, Beatrix Gravesgard, joined by Lily Sloan, Hi. former host of Radical Advice. She Wolf is off with her wolf pack um, somewhere in Japan. She'll have plenty of tales to regale us with next week. Uh, and next week, we're also joined by uh, multiple guest of the past, Jessica Lineato, cool. uh, who just came out with a her own astrology book, and I'm very excited to hear about it and talk about it. Um, she hosts a really great podcast called Ghost of a Podcast. Ooh, I like that. Which I recommend listening to, and she's going to tell us all about how crazy and terrifying 2020 is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't feel like I need a psychic medium or astrologer to tell true. me that, but it, it's nice to have it rooted in the stars. It's true. She freaks me out because every now and then on Instagram, she'll be like, does everybody have their earthquake emergency packs kit? <laughs> kit? I was like, what are you trying to tell me right now? <laughs> um, I mean, we all should. Like, let's be honest. Um, Did everyone lock their windows tonight? Yeah. Like, what do you know? Um, the man, she has, she's definitely told me some spooky mm. shit in the past about mm-hmm. myself that I'm like, how did you know that? <laughs> um, okay, you just heard uh, Gweno with Fredolish Hyang Perpeshk. Before that was Arakak with uh, Yumpa Abba. And we started off that set with Little Sister by Sarah Bonaire. Man, um, we got half an hour left and we got some questions. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to sympathize. No, I would never sympathize with Dr. Laura. Uh, (laughs) Well, we're definitely not going to get to all of them. It's true. I sympathize with the people who wrote questions. Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just mean like she'll, sometimes she'll be like, all right, speed it up. What's the, that's because she gets calling people. And I will say a lot of them are like, well, my mother's brother's sister's father's Mm -hmm. aunt gave me this rapid when I was 10. And then I, you know, really. Yeah. Affected me, but that's not my question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, speaking of questions, I went to two um, like Sketchfest events this weekend that ended in Q and A's. Mm. And I will say, I'm not sure there's a like I, I have this theory that there are no worse question answers than people in the Bay Area at Q and A events. Oh, you mean askers? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Question askers, where like the at the end with like questions from the audience, people come up and they're like, they get first, they're like 20 minutes about like what a big fan they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's obvious because you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and then usually some like background childhood story. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then the question comes like an hour later. <laughs> and the question is usually something that you could just Google. Uh-huh, or, it, uh-huh. or my least favorite, a yes or no question. And I'm like, wow, we just spent 20 minutes uh, listening like, to your childhood life story. Well, they just wanted some mic time, you yeah. know? To hear the guy for the monkey say, no, we did not record that song then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, let's all learn to ask better questions in, mm-hmm. in 2020. Mm-hmm. Myself included, uh, is what I'm saying. But I got to say, our crop of questions today is is real good. Is yeah. so good. I'm kind of interested in the um, existential angst category okay <clears throat> unless you'd rather do something else no, no no i'm just trying to see where i put it oh dear astral advice what to do when the state of the world and its future feels hopeless i feel so uneasy and it colors my every waking moment 
Well, I'm going to start with some advice that I saw on Twitter the other day, which somebody tweeted, ladies, self-care is over. We doing drugs again. <laughs> and that's all I've got. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> but, one. Um, what to do? What do? I mean, I mean, first of all, we're dealing with massive levels of, it's this thing where in many, many ways, it's so out of our hands. We are not like, unless the person writing that in as a politician, um, if so, get your shit together. But, um, <laughs> but like there, you know, we can, we can scream about this all we want, but like, like what, uh, like what <laughs> we have been. And so, yeah. and so there's the part where it's like, some these feelings of hopelessness and helplessness are intertwined and they're very real and they're very legitimate feelings. And so I really like to start from a place of legitimizing our feelings. Yeah. You know, that what you're feeling makes a lot of sense. What you're feeling is rational. Like, not that it matters, like feelings don't have to be rational, but what you are feeling is a rational, is like a, a healthy response, is an understandable resp response to the situation. Mm. And so if there's any part of you that's like shaming yourself for not being more positive or not being more hopeful, like my first my first thing is like, well, fuck that. Like this is a really, really fucking hard time. And and I think that the thing that brings me the most solace is knowing I'm not alone. Yeah, no, I agree with all of that. I think there's I have a couple of things to say. I think, I know I've grappled with this. Sometimes there's, I get overcome with is just sort of like inertia and in the mm -hmm. face and like numbness in the yep. face of like horrifying things. And then I feel guilt about the inertia right. and the numbness. Um, I think for me, one thing that um, has really helped is like when we look at like shit on a global scale or like a future global scale like it's overwhelming it's it's daunting and you're like i'm just a little speck and a sea yeah of other people and i think I, I i used to tell my students when they felt this way um i'd be like uh, helping somebody else is like the counter spell for inertia mm. it really is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no matter how small and yeah. so i i would say like it's not on you as an individual to like save the world single-handedly, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but I Thank look God. look around your community, no matter how tiny or large, and be like, well, what's one thing I can do that will make me feel a little bit more in control mm -hmm. of just like the environment around me, yeah. right? And even if that, even if the thing you are you do has nothing to do with like saving the planet, you yeah. know, yeah. or saving the future, but maybe it's just like making someone's life a little easier, yeah. or are there. They're Buy, buying some like masks for people to wear when yeah. the smoke comes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, you know, like the truth is, like we we're all whether we like it or not, like we are all in this together. We're all roommates on this giant planet. Yeah, <laughs> um, we can pretend that we don't want to like talk to that person over there or um, acknowledge that person's shitty political viewpoint. Like the mm -hmm. truth is, like when the ship goes down, if it goes down, we're all on it together. You know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I used to say that to my students. Helping is the counter spell for inertia. If you feel really stuck, just do something that has nothing to do with you necessarily mm -hmm. and has to do with somebody else. Um, 
Well, and I think, and I think that's, it's true. It's like, it's, I think what, what is really hard is because I think we can be so black and white and so binary in how we approach life as, as humans, well, especially as humans in our, in like, you know, Western, I don't know, thinking or whatever. Like there's, there's, or there can be this all or nothing sort of thing. And I think that I, like, I need to feel the rage. I need to feel the helplessness and the, you know, the anger about that. And, um, and even like face, like, I'm going to see more shit go down, like in my life. And it's going to be really hard and scary and like difficult to adapt while also being like, okay, where do I find hope and like solace and, um, and feel some of that sense of empowerment around doing something. And so it's like both. Yeah. Have you ever read um, Man's Search for Meaning Mm-mm. by Viktor Frankl? No, I haven't. I'm like, I just started reading it. A bunch of people recommended it to me. Um, I think it's like a really widely read in like philosophy and psychology. So. But he yeah. wrote it. He was in the concentration camps. Was That's like right. separated. From, I think he lost his wife. Um, but he wrote this. The premise is sort of like, even when shit feels like super hopeless and dire, it's mm-hmm. like, where can you find the meaning in it? Hence man's search for meaning. Like, where do you find, like, where do you, where do you find like the reason to go on or like yeah. a reason to have hope? Um, I would recommend reading it or like learning about it and then thinking about like in your own, like, like our lives are not over, you know, like we are still active participants in the world Mm-hmm. around us and we still have an impact on it and right. so maybe being able to find some glimmers of meaning mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um can help be a little bit bit of a bomb you know yeah and i think like this the, you know part of what's been so hard is that all the things are just so piled on top of each other right now and it's hard to to pray even pray or be like should i focus on environmental justice should i focus on you know, on like Black Lives Matter, should I focus on, um, you know, like whatever issues, they're all there. They're all intertwined in certain ways, too. But we can only do like one thing at a time yes. to some degree. But we're yeah. but we're feeling the weight of everything. And I think, you know, some some of it is like constant. I'm constantly working with myself on how do I kind of hold this this paradoxical space of nothing I do will ever be enough and what I'm doing is enough yeah oh yeah you know like or I'm enough yeah um and this isn't just about me no no that's true yeah and uh, yeah just any you're right like it's just sort of like pick pick one thing that's important to you Mm -hmm. do one small thing that feels meaningful about it um, I re- I did um, last year, and I really want to. I'm excited to do it again during election season. Um, mm. Here at the Secret Alley, we did phone banking um, oh. for like a district in rural California that was like up for grabs. Oh, and really the only the phone banking was just helping people find know where their polling place was, uh-huh, uh-huh. or they were like, or to check if they had gotten their absentee ballot in the mail, right, right, um, and where to turn it in. And it's like I helped so many people figure that out, <laughs> and I felt so good at yeah. the end of it. And yeah. I was like, oh. I can do this because I don't mind talking to random strangers. Yeah. I'm also not having to like convince them to, to necessarily vote for somebody. I'm yeah. just and that could be a one time two hour thing. And it could yeah. be that you focus your effort on something about the environment or you could focus your effort on, you know, supporting, you know, a 
a candidate yeah. or, you know. Um, but it all, you know, uh, I think it was Cheryl Strayed, sage advice giver, once said, uh, the seemingly useless days or emotions will add up to something, mm. you know, and I think about that a lot on days when I have a lot of just general inertia. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, the useless days will add up to something. It's like, yeah. You know, even though it may not seem like you have a big impact, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people doing small things will still make an impact. And and also like having um, needing to numb out sometimes in all of this is understandable. And I think yes, the 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 trick there is is to again, and I feel like I keep saying this with like all the things is to acknowledge how you're feeling, even if how you're feeling is numb. And say, okay, I'm feeling numb or I'm feeling anxious and I want to numb out. Like being able to name what you're doing, even if you can only figure it out afterwards, it helps. um, That awareness can help us decide if that's actually what we want to be doing. And sometimes we do need to numb out. It's just when there's space for it, when there's space for acknowledging that and not shaming ourselves. I don't think we need to numb out for as long because we can we can do it with a little more permission. It's true. I think we're all learning in this era maybe the hard way that like uh joy and like grief can all exist in the same space. Like one does they not so often too. I always find it really interesting when and I feel like this happens people yell on Twitter they're like how can you care about the Oscars when animals are on fire? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well actually you can care about both, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not, I don't, I don't really believe in like shaming people for like mm-hmm. finding small moments of like random joy or escape yeah. where they can, you know? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, the two things aren't like equitable necessarily. Yeah. And it's, and even with that, like, I also understand when you're in the midst of that pain, feeling like you're alone in it or feeling yeah. like not enough people are outraged enough can make me like freak out too and then I'm like oh yeah but you know you know how many shootings can happen and like I can like I'm I it's interesting to notice the waves of emotional engagement that I am able to withstand yeah and I find the two that like a way around that because a also you don't you you don't always know what other people are doing or what they do care about maybe they're just not as pub like public in their demonstration of it and like I sometimes have an an issue with that about like Twitter sometimes it's very like performative to me and I'm like well are we all just like shouting like I get like being informed but I'm like like what is this actually doing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but I find the best way to get someone engaged in a thing you care about that's not I I find that shame does not work shame Mm -hmm. just makes people run in the other direction or get really defensive Mm -hmm. but when you model the thing like oh, I'm doing this thing and it feels really good, you know, or I'm doing this thing and man, it's so rewarding, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. do you want to do it with me, you know, and like extending an invitation to that kind of thing and people see like, oh, wow, that's really getting her out of her her, mm-hmm. dr- her dread, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I think is the way you're going to get more people uh, involved mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. rather than like making them feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um Guilt, I find, is not is not often that effective. I mean, yeah, it's like a little bit can help, but yeah. it, it has to be detached enough from like 
I'm it, it can be like, oh, I want to do better yeah. versus I'm a terrible person. Yeah. yeah. Let's do uh, I want to do one more question because I don't want to like have to rush through uh, if we play some music and come back. So mm-hmm. are you down to do one more question sure. and then we'll play some more of your jams? Sure. OK, I'm thinking we'll do another love one because we got a lot. Great. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um this okay. is an area of of extreme competence. For me. <laughs> um, okay, so do we want one that's about um, casual dating um, and navigating that, or um, feeling left behind um, because all your friends are getting are partnered or getting married? <laughs> um, or last one. Um, Getting fixated on people who date my exes right after me. What? What? That's really fascinating. Maybe we should do that because it it that's the first one where I'm not like, yep, yep, yeah. me too, me too. Okay. Uh, I keep getting fixated on the people who date my exes right after me. Okay, mm. so I think that means like oh, they broke not up. Like they have a crush on. Okay, they break up and they're like. The per- the ex moves on yeah, and this yeah. person is oh, like oh they're kind of obsessing about it about like, who who did, who is this person who is this person yeah. maybe they're maybe they're looking them up on the internet oh god fucking internet yeah I, so I, I wouldn't say I haven't done that but yeah who amongst us yeah uh, yeah, yeah um okay to make matters worse a not insignificant number of them end up getting married to the person they date right after mm. me oh that's happened to me mm. uh. It makes me feel insecure, damaged, like a stepping stone. Am I doomed mm. to always be the not good enough option? <laughs> it's it's funny because the last like relationship that I was in that ended, it wasn't that long of a relationship, but I I actually ended it. Though I think we both were it it felt fairly mutual. But he said like, well, you know, I know you'll find your forever person because. And and like often like people I date, that's who they find next. <laughs> and oh. and what really sucks is that like that that put a lot of pressure on, you know, my I was just like, oh, I was I knew that that couldn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to cling to this. That means I'm like free from the situation oh, and like I'm going to go out there and the next person I date, we're going to get married. And like, wow, you know, I would have had a baby by now in this scenario. So. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but that's interest. This this one is obviously going the other way. Um, that's really I don't know. It makes sense that somebody would feel this way because it's like I don't know what's what's again. It's more like fuel for the storytelling. Like, well, yeah. what's wrong with me? It reminds me a little bit of the first question yeah. of like uh, I'm too weird, you know, yeah, or really. nobody gets yeah. me or like um, like what information can I gather to understand why I'm alone well, and and also when you're not. when you're fixating on the person who your ex dates right after you which is understandable to be like ooh I want to compare myself um it was so funny I'm remembering this time where as uh, a lot person I dated a long time ago we were together for years um, we both just got out of relationships and I was super intimidated by his last girlfriend who mm-hmm. was like older and like very accomplished and a feminist. And I sort of had the like, I kind of want to be her thing. She was equally as fixated with me. She made a podcast about like 
stalking like stalking me online which i heard years later and i kind of was like laughing hysterically i was like i feel like we were more obsessed with each other than we ever were with a guy yeah yeah <laughs> i was like maybe we we're just supposed to be friends i think yeah. about that all the time like yeah there's so many like like exes of exes that i'm like i kind of mm-hmm. want to be your friend like i used yeah. to i think i at a certain point was like i'm i'm done with seeing other women as competition and so yeah. i just kind of like i'm like let's just be fr- i just want to be your friend like clearly this guy has good taste yeah let's just yeah. be friends um so one of my exes left me for a, a mutual friend and oh, so i already knew everything that's the worst. yeah <laughs> but um I, i'll say this i you you can't know the inside of another person's relationship i have a really good friend who's one of the smartest people i know um and dated somebody for a long time who was like eight pretty legitimately terrible narcissist Mm -hmm. and made her feel terrible um really like got in her head and she was telling me she's like oh i look him up every now on instagram and he just moved in with the girl he dated after me and i know they just are living these perfect lives Mm -hmm. and they're so happy and i was like let's really unpack that (laughs) i was like are they Mm -hmm. i was like or knowing him the way you do is she also just sort of ensnared in this like you know narcissist uh nightmare mm-hmm. um you know instagram well, is very performative <laughs> and and though it kind of brings up the thing that i was talking about too with friendship rejection though is that also it's very hard for us to sit with the possibility that somebody who you know was very dysfunctional in your dynamic wouldn't be functional with somebody else just as you could be functional with somebody else too and like yeah. The thing is, is that, again, it's like whether we're trying to tell ourselves the story that they're not happy or that they are happy. The point is, yeah, we're just constantly telling stories to try to make sense of shit. Yeah. And it's it's exhausting, but it's really hard not to because life feels like fucking chaos. And And sometimes we'll never know the answer. Yeah. And that's okay. And And that's really hard. You know, and I know it's kind of hard to think about it in this light too sometimes but saying oh not insignificant significant number of them end up getting married to the person they did after me which would totally make me be like yep. what am I just damaged goods mm-hmm. but I, I feel like that's also a little bit of a like but you that wasn't the right person for you either mm-hmm. you know and so in a way it's like we, sometimes our egos get so stuck on like oh, but I want to make this work or I want to be the cho- I want to be the chosen I want to be the one. chosen one I definitely want to be the chosen one yeah no mm-hmm. that's such a primitive mm-hmm. like need, I mean that need. on a spiritual level like I want to be the chosen one like I want to be Jesus basically yeah <laughs> I want to be the chosen one yeah. no we all want to be we all want to feel chosen that's yeah. such a human thing but if you can sort of like get out of the way of your the ego for a moment to be like but did i really want to be chosen by this person yeah. because if they're choosing somebody else then that says that like down the line there was going to be some fundamental incompatibility yeah you know i mean so maybe in a way they did you a favor mm-hmm. they like cleared the space for you to meet somebody that is going to cho- choose you mm-hmm. you know uh, and also like this whole thing of like, I think the choice thing is so interesting because anybody who's been married for a really long time will tell you it's not like one day you just make a choice and you're like, yes, yeah, we're it's good. We're all good from here on out. Yeah, you got to choose each other over and over yeah, again. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. you know. Um, and it's consensual. Yeah. Like my dad told me recently, he's like, uh, he's like, love is a behavior. 
it's not it doesn't just come to, it's not just like this mm. magical thing but like hovers around you you know yeah. like it is it's you choosing somebody over and over despite the fact that like you change they right. change you annoy the shit out of each other sometimes yeah. you know and yeah. so like i i would get clear on like it's not like this one-time choice <laughs> that got made you yeah. know um and that you don't know what the future of the other person holds um and i would i would just say like it's probably more beneficial to not you know be looking this person up um and i get that sometimes we get stuck in a place where we do something even though we we don't want to so i don't want to say that in a like i don't i don't want to say that in a way that would induce like oh i'm being bad like yeah. no 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 you're doing it for a reason. You're trying to soothe something. You're try- or you're trying to manage something inside of you. And so when you're doing it, if that's what you're doing, or when you're just thinking about her a lot, like can you or them, um, can you can you catch yourself and say like, acknowledge to your inner child or whatever, like oh, like you're feeling anxious. You're yeah. feeling you're feeling fear. You're like. Can you can you break through to what the underlying feelings are that you're trying to manage with that behavior? Yeah, that is that's the most important thing is because when I when I can break through to my under the underlying feeling, Mm -hmm. then usually there's a bit of a like um, I might end up crying or something, but it's like, okay, now I'm kind of grieving. Now I can grieve this situation. I'm no longer like anxiously trying to resolve it i'm now focused on how i'm feeling and i'm wrapping my arms around my inner child and being like oh you're feeling really scared or you're feeling really hurt or you're feeling really lonely and i'm here with you yeah that no that's so that's so powerful it also reminds me too of um it's like a famous grace jones quote where she wrote in a room full of people choose yourself (laughs) (laughs) and i like that's a good exercise of like write a list of like what are the reasons that you choose yourself you know mm-hmm. it's like what are the qualities about yourself that you feel really good that good about that you're like i choose i would choose me in this scenario you I know do and, that. um another uh, little piece of advice i have I should, I should write it out and then show it to like every man who's rejecting right? me like how dare you yeah um this is the last thing i'll say and then we'll we'll leave uh advice hour but um, especially if you're somebody who's prone to like uh, internet stalking mm-hmm. um, or like Instagram stalking, um, I, when I went through sort of a, a breakup where I didn't have a lot of answers and so I was sort of like frantically trying to create a story and I was like, yeah, totally being like, what's this person doing? Um, instead of every time I felt tempted to like type in their name, I would instead go to the notes app on my phone and I had to write... Um, how do I feel right now? What do I need right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it became this like like weird yeah. rerouting habit. Right. And then I just really started to enjoy it. And I would find that I would get so invested in like writing at this list that I would forget what yeah. I was like doing in the first yeah. place. Um, well, and I think with anything like that, the important thing is to reassure yourself like once you've done this thing, if you still want to do the other thing, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's but, okay. But, but like at least you're taking a moment to pause and, <sighs> and like listen to yourself and have a little conversation it really helped man it really it really it worked a lot Mm. oh man we're out of time um hopefully we our listeners got some good 
good advice. Hopefully they feel good about it. Um, yeah. I want to do this again. This was so yeah, fun. I love I enjoy it. it. <laughs> um, what do you want to leave people with? What song? I guess let's yours? end with, um, I, let's go with that Y Oak song. I haven't. <gasps> I was just thinking that. Yeah. I like, I actually haven't really listened to that album much, but I was looking for stuff the other day and it's really beautiful. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Lily Sloan, she'll be at uh, Prelinger Archives on Thursday, 7 p.m. for her place talk here in San Francisco. Come by. There's always good snacks. And you can find all my sound work uh, and audio production work at lilymakesound.com. You can find me on Twitter at lilyrosesloan. And my therapy practice is lilysloan.com. Yay. Um, And we'll be back next week with uh, She Wolf Will Return and Jessica Lignato will be here. So tune in. You've been listening to... Uh, Radical Astral Advice Hour here on BFF.FM. This is Y Oak with Family Glue. Bye. Family Glue. Leaving a legacy of tell me to. Behavior made of lead. I eat and I'm fed